1: So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's just over two years since the Chelsea fans travelled to Manchester with inflatable European Cup trophies, boasting their Champions League final victory against the Blues. Tomorrow, a deflated Chelsea will return to the Etihad, tailed between their legs, as they take on the continent's greatest side. It's Friday the 16th of February, I'm Amos Murphy. I'm David Powell. And I'm Oli Kirsch. And this is the City Reports Podcast. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. I'm Amos Murphy and joining me today is Olly Kirsch and David Michael Powell making up uh, a wonderful panel heading into the weekend, getting you in that Friday feeling. Another match day for the Blues coming up. Um, right, OK, listeners, I'm sure you've been with us this week. We've obviously reviewed the Copenhagen game. We went into a bit of detail about that on the last two shows. Earlier in the week, we were speaking about the Everton win and obviously City now having won 11 games in a row, which sets us up nicely, David, doesn't it? Heading into what I think might be one of the biggest... I'm not going to say it's the biggest test of the season because I don't think that's true but it's a big game at the start of a run of quite a few big matches and I think on Saturday, half-five kick-off, Chelsea coming to town for me anyway, I see it as a big game. I expect the Etihad Stadium to respond to it and I'm expecting it to be bouncing and I'm expecting City to be up for, for um, a, a clash against Chelsea.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um... I've always got memories, and in the past, like maybe like four or five seasons, that the Chelsea games have always been sort of a little bit defining on how we go and finish mm. the season. There's always been huge, huge games. Where I mean, we'll probably get into Kevin De Bruyne's influence on the on the on the team at the moment, but he always seems to have that sort of big, big game, those big moments. I think in that left-footed strike against Chelsea. One, they're always quite tight games as well. Obviously, the four-four wasn't earlier in the season, but. They they always seem to be something that like I think back to in title races where we've we've done something special and it kicks us on because they are a tough side to beat. I know that we've we've got a good record against them and stuff, but they are always a really t- tough team to beat. And um, yeah, I think at the moment we're pretty well placed to go and, to go and do them as well. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, uh, it's weird, isn't it, with Chelsea because we haven't since that. Actually, since the, the match I referenced in the introduction when they came to the Etihad in 2021-22, um, I believe it was January 2022, the actual day, and, and they had the fans had the inflatable European Cups, you're Champions of Europe, you'll never sing that, it's funny how quickly time changes, but that was the last game, for my money anyway, we've played um a serious Chelsea team because obviously last year the games were a bit neither here nor there um um at the Etihad anyway because at, at the end of the season we um we'd already won the title by the time Chelsea came in obviously in the autumn the game against Chelsea was a little bit of a batshit crazy one um a bit of a basketball game but what I'm getting at Ollie Kirsch is Chelsea aren't the Chelsea that we've played in the last sort of four, five, six, seven years. They are a little bit of a basket case, I think is the best Best way to describe them. They've um, they've had some really good performances. They've had some really bad performances. They they're just a bit of a weird team at the moment. So, um, what are you expecting from from the visitors heading into um, Saturday's game? Expect the unexpected with Chelsea. Uh, yeah,
0: you say they're not the same Chelsea that we've played over the last seven years. Chelsea aren't the same Chelsea that played last week or the week before that or the week before <laughs> that. And that's 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 the crux of the matter with Chelsea, isn't it? You know, we we, we had a four four draw to them earlier in the season. And they they just churn out weird results every week. You know, they've had a good couple of weeks. They beat Palace 3-1, beat Villa 3-1. And then going back a bit further, they lost at home 4-2 to Wolves. They got battered by Liverpool. Um, they're, they're just a weird side. And they're a weird side as well because forget the actual money they've spent. Focus on the signings they've made. There's a lot of very desirable players in there. You know, Talk about... I'll just go through the list here. Robert Sanchez, Axel Dizarzi, Mark Kukurea, Badi Ashil, mm. Thiago Silva, obviously veteran of the game, Ben Chilwell, Reese James, um, I mean, even keep going from there. Wesley Fafana, Enzo Fernandez, of course, uh, Conor Gallagher's had a few purple patches here and there. Moises Caicedo, Chocobet. They, they are a mm. team, they are a squad full of players that at the time when Chelsea have signed them, have been very, very highly rated. Yeah. And then they couldn't get them to click, and they said it was the manager, and they replaced the manager, and then they still can't get them to click, and is it the ownership, is it this? I don't know. And when they are click, when they do click, they're an excellent side, and like I said, they've given us a hell of a game this season. Um, but as Dave said, yeah, we are well-placed to beat them, and because of where we are at the moment, I think we're well-placed to beat anybody. So whether or not it's a good game is going to depend on I think which Chelsea team turns up um and how much damage Cole Palmer and Raheem Sterling want to do between them um, mm, but
1: yeah the forbidden names
0: yeah but ultimately moving away from to coin a phrase all this hoodoo um we we should be expecting to beat them mm. regardless mm. Uh, but you Know we don't know they could be they could turn up and have one of those days where the Chelsea that is that was meant to be when they assembled this squad turns up and, and we've got a fight on our hands, so see what happens.
1: Yeah, it, it's certainly an interesting tie because I think some some matches um against Premier League opposition you know exactly what you're going to get, um, you know, particularly Everton at the weekend we went into that game and you could have pretty much designed that fixture knowing what would have come um this Chelsea one I'm I'm a little bit perplexed I could easily see a situation where City go and score three in the first half they cruise to a, a comfortable victory they're able to rotate a few plays in that second half and it just goes down as you know another comfortable City win I could also see a situation where Chelsea coming inside the first five minutes there uh they, they score a goal and City are 1-0 down that's just kind of how they've been this season um Dave uh, David I mean you know it, it, do you think, now we're asking this question, having sort of knowing what Guardiola's like, and, and that dressing room on the back of 11 wins will be bouncing, think they can take on anyone. But do you think, genuinely speaking, Chelsea away to City can pose a threat? Um, to, to, to City's result because I think, had this game been at Stanford Bridge and we saw that, that fixture earlier in the season, then maybe I'm going into it with a different mentality. But at the moment, it's hard to see, as Ollie says, it's hard to see City not taking three points. Is that going to continue um, against Chelsea? You know, is, is that mentality going to stretch over? Because right now, I think City go into it as, as heavy, heavy, heavy favourites. Had it been the other way around and, and it was at Stanford Bridge, maybe that. Drops down a little bit, but um, yeah, the Etihad's a fortress at the moment, and I'm expecting a win. And that's me saying that, who's <laughs> usually expected a, a defeat against I don't know Swindon Town and Bury FC.
2: Yeah, no, I think we are massively heavy favourites for the game, and the the only sort of seed of doubt that I have in my head is that I'm a Man City fan. There is always the <laughs> typical city, and that we have two players coming up against us who have played for us in the past, which. I sit there and and say to my dad like oh it'd be typical that Cole Palmer scores the winner against us typical Mm -hmm. Raheem Sterling will get a back post tapping there's always that seed of doubt maybe it's just because I'm an old city fan and that's just ingrained in me but we should go and beat them as like we're at home the Etihad is a fortress they are pretty dire they can be like Ollie said they can be good at times but on the whole they are pretty dire this season and we we should go and, and turn them over and make it twelve in a row, really, and then looking forward to another home game to um, to go back to the top of the league, really.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. That's the other the other part at play here. Obviously, City in the midst of a title run, um, but you, you mentioned their names there, uh, David, in in Raheem Sterling and Cole Palmer. Um, Ollie, which one do you want to start with? Because I think you know both of them have their own talking points that we can discuss. Um, I'll leave it up to you, Cole Palmer, Raheem Sterling coming back. What, what are you expecting?
0: Um, we'll start with Palmer because I want to address the shithouses houses on Twitter and get there before they do. <laughs> you can just see it, can't you? You can you can just see Palmer doing something, and all the usual suspects all over City Twitter take that as the final and uncompromisingly true declaration of, of fact that Cole Palmer shouldn't have been sold. doesn't matter what <laughs> happens from now, right? The, the, it doesn't matter what happens. The guy could go completely off the rails. It doesn't matter. If Cole Palmer does something against us, that's it.
1: Mistake. well okay let me play devil's advocate here. if you know yeah he scores and city lose or city draw <laughs> that would potentially be you know he's obviously already taken two points off city this season um that could yeah. then stretch to five it could stretch to four whatever that mm-hmm. could be a title you know so maybe maybe yeah. there would be that that conversation to be had if it happens
0: <laughs> yeah no okay i'm probably being a little bit harsh here and yes there are still some questions hanging up in the air about um whether we we should have tried a little bit harder to keep hold of him, whether we mm. should have uh you know, given him more playing time to keep him happy here for at least another season. The 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 point I'm trying to make is that there is a lot more than there there's a lot more goes into the sale of a player and judging whether it was right or wrong than than their performance on one or two games against us. Yeah, for uh, sure. I'm uh preempting the inevitable attacks where actually that's the only thing that matters and if Cole did something, that <laughs> was wrong. 6-1 um, well, no, City, I'm, I'm, Cole Palmer yeah. scores, City I, I, have come I, off losers. I actually am looking forward to watching him though and I do, I do hope he starts, which I'm, I'm sure he will. because uh, He's been in fantastic form for them because I like him. I like him. I did like him at City. Um, I, I, I'm not of the opinion that it was wrong to let him go because mm. uh, I, I implicitly trust the club. With the transfer decisions for good reason, looking at the last five, six, seven, eight years. Uh, but no, I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Um I think he's 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 a phenomenal talent, and it is a shame that he didn't stick around. So yeah, it'd be good to see him in the flesh again, just hopefully not at his best, which is <laughs> which is rather good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking now at some of his numbers. He's on twenty 24- four Three goals and assists I made that for the season. Obviously, two of those came at City in the Community Shield and then the Super Cup. So, 21 goals and assists for Chelsea, David. And I think the interesting part with Cole Palmer, I mean, I've on this podcast I went on record as saying that I thought it was um, a mistake, maybe not the correct word, but I would have loved to have seen him stick around. But the criticism of Cole Palmer when he was at City was that he didn't necessarily take his chance in the way that we've seen new arrival Jeremy Doku um, obviously contribute both with goals and assists but also performances Oscar Bob as well who was probably next in line and who's probably benefited the most from Cole Palmer leaving so maybe maybe every party has benefited here Cole Palmer's getting the game time Chelsea getting the rewards City got the money but do you think having seen how Cole Palmer has performed having been given that chance in the first team, that there maybe would have been an option, um, an opportunity, sorry, for him at City to, to stake a claim?
2: Uh, I think I've mentioned this once before on a pod early in the season. I, I think Palmer at City never really got his opportunity to play where he is playing for Chelsea for a start. He mm-hmm. was always being deployed off for City on the left-hand side, which we said so many times that isn't where he's best. He he was a right-winger He's now playing false nine for Chelsea. With the Mares transfer, he would have had more game time this season. Would he have been taking penalties? No. Would mm. that have kicked his like sort of...
1: Saying that, I don't know yeah. if our record, he, he probably would have been, actually, uh, considering how, <laughs> yeah, well, how yeah. terrible most of our players had taken them.
2: With Haaland being injured, maybe he might have stepped mm. up as well. But like he, when he went to Chelsea, I think he, he bagged a penalty on his first game. And then I think instantly, everyone sort of lifted him up to a a better player than maybe he even was from the get-go because he'd, he'd, he'd taken that sort of pressure in a new club, scored yeah. a penalty. He wouldn't have done that at City because he'd been there before. He, he would have been playing right wing, sub down, sub off. Haaland's the main man, De Bruyne's the main man. He's now at Chelsea and he, he is probably arguably their best attacking player now. And he would have been whether he'd have scored that penalty in the first game as well because he is a brilliant player. Hmm. Um, I I think I think he would have had a good season so far, but I don't think... Looking at how Foden's playing, I don't think he'd be getting anywhere near the sort of the flowers he's getting at Chelsea that yeah. he would at City if he just stayed. And I don't think he'd be getting anywhere near the game time either. I'm sad to see him go, but I do still stand by the fact that it's probably the right decision for everyone involved. And I think, like Oli said, everyone on Twitter, people just want Pep to make a mistake. They're desperate for <laughs> something, for one of his decisions to be a mistake. And at the moment, he he just keeps hitting them out of the park, doesn't he? Mm.
1: Yeah, I've said at the time, I think this one's probably one to judge post-Guardiola because... Palmer's obviously still young and he's gonna be playing well into the next decade and maybe in the next two years, for example, obviously touch what it doesn't happen. Pep Guardiola leaves the club and and Cole Palmer's ripping it up for Chelsea and for England, then we maybe go, Oh yeah, that was a mistake. But I think in the here and now, um most parties, City included City included, will be happy with it. Um quickly then, Ollie, obviously Raheem Sterling is the other one. Um he's not necessarily remembered as fondly by some city supporters. Um, um, obviously there was a feeling at the time that Raheem Sterling was leaving City he didn't necessarily want to stick around and be part of this um, next iteration of the club obviously with Haaland I maintain those two next to each other would have been devastating if, if Sterling had the 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 goal um, what would you describe it like the dependency to score goals himself taken off him and he was just there to provide I think we could have been seeing a, a wonderful winger anyway that's by the by he went to Chelsea and, and much like every player who gone to Chelsea bar pretty much Cole Palmer it hasn't really worked out and um, it'll be interesting to see him return to the Etihad because I think he does have a point to prove and I think if, if he's playing then he's going he's, he's gonna to have to sort of perform and show people that yeah this was the right move for me to have made
0: It's funny how Signing uh, players that have left City bring out the worst in me when referring to other <laughs> City fans. Because if Sterling does come back to haunt us, that is on you, you shit houses. Um Sterling didn't get anywhere near the respect he deserves. Listen, I don't I never thought he was an elite player. I thought there were too many gaps in his game to be truly considered an elite player. Um but yes, you are right, you would have had a lot of fun with Haaland because Peak City, cut back FC and cross FC was mm. When we had Sterling out on that wing, um, I, listen, I like him. I, I, I don't. I, I do have a bit of a gripe with how how he left the club. There wasn't much love shown for the fans. Uh, he, he, he just kind of dipped with you know, merry mm. goodbye. Um, but it is what it is, and I, I get it from his perspective, because I don't think he necessarily got the love that he deserved while he was here. With regards to now and in the future and what, what damage he can do, um, not much. I, I think we should be honest, <laughs> to can't He's you know, not the Sterling that he was there's, in his there's, there's
1: next week's TikTok clip, right? There, well, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. I could come back Sterling to that. Sterling and I, Palmer
0: I, I, combined for the last minute Yeah. I should caveat that by saying that Sterling does bag half a dozen goals a season, or he is uh, at that rate anyway. And we might be one of the half a dozen. Um, but no, look, he's 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 not the player he was mm. in his peak years under Pep. Um, I, I, I'm not I'm not entirely convinced that his head is in football as it used to be as well. Okay. Um, I I have zero basis for saying that, by the way, but I I just, I just, yeah, no, it is. It's just a hunch because I I felt at City when when things were going well for him, you could see the man would be absolutely busting a gut for this club, getting back, Mm. coming forward, doing what he could, fighting to get back in the squad, fighting to stay in the team. Um, I've not really seen that heart when he's on the pitch with Chelsea. Um, listen, I'm no body language expert, but that's that's just the hunch. So no, I've got a lot of love for Raheem. Um, same again, looking forward to seeing him back in the flesh again. Look forward to seeing him at the Etihad. But same sentiment as Palmer. If he's going to have a good game, I do I do not hope that it's on Saturday.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I do hope both of them actually, for what it's worth, get a good reception. Although I can imagine maybe Palmer's will be good, um, even if not for the fact that he probably won City the Super Cup in the sense that his. Late, do you not um, think
0: it'd be the other way around, Amos?
1: No, I don't. I think I think Cole Palmer would be, and and I say this as sort of someone who um, has obviously interacted with different City fans, not only just in this sort of podcast world but outside. And I would say it's probably 50-50 split for Sterling, um, which does that kind of confuse. Me, but I, people genuinely do have that sort of that frustration about him, which is weird. Anyway, um, that'll do, listeners, for part one. We'll be back in part two to discuss how City might line up for this fixture um, on Saturday evening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season, and the same goes for McDelivery. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. The end of another wonderful week. So if you can be kind enough, please do leave us a rating or a review on whichever podcast platform you listen along on. It'd be great also if you could tell one of your friends, if you have any, of course. Um, If not, then... We're your friends. But um, I guess before we crack on with City's line-up, just a little bit of news from the world of football. Obviously, I'm sure most people would have heard by now. Killian Mbappe is leaving Paris Saint-Germain. Um, it looks like he's destined for a move to Real Madrid. But David, would you take Killian Mbappe at Manchester City? If you had the chance to sign him, would you take him?
2: Yeah, I would probably, yeah. I'm not his big. Yes. I would. I'm not. I'm not his biggest fan, in terms of him as a as a person, but as a player, the few times I've ever actually watched him, which is always them, PSG games against Man City, he scares the life out of me. Like genuinely, mm-hmm. there's a, probably a few players that have ever scared me as much as him facing us, and him, Henri, Ronaldo, Peak, Messi. That he's in that bracket, he, he can just go and win a game on his own. I think that World Cup final and stuff, he, he's a frighteningly good player. And it, it's probably worried that he's going to go to Madrid because mm. you sort of hoped that Man City were going to try and win a few Champions Leagues in the next few years. But the thought of him and Bellingham together for, mm. I don't know, five, ten years basically, is, <laughs> yeah. yeah, is uh, well, and, and Vinny as well. You I forget mm. how good he is at Real Madrid, it's it, it's worried. Um, but yeah, I would probably take him. I, I, I don't like him, but I would take him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, for the record, I... I- Mm, i don't know um it depends what happens sort of it, i wouldn't take him under guardiola i think that'd be i don't think that's going to work but say in a couple of years time god look at us planning post Pep. i think maybe perhaps he would be someone who who would be fun to watch if not anything else um ollie quickly and to city would you yes. take him yes or no yes yes you actually, I, I, you've said it before. You've said it before. You're I just, here, you're before. just here for the 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 I think of part the, of his attitude is the, the frustration, knowing banter you... years in in the opposite no. sense of the usual banter years, just like the the utter take the piss years. I think
0: <laughs> part of Mbappe's frustration that comes out on the pitch that can be misconstrued as petulance is because he knows he's stuck at a dead-end club in a dead-end league and he's not playing at the level that he deserves to be playing at for his quality. I think if you stick him in a City team or indeed another top-class team like Real Madrid, I think we will see a lot of that attitude dissipate into mm. an elite level professional player so yes I would although I do kind of agree that it probably wouldn't work under Pep but by god I mean can you imagine our front four three or four being Foden, De Bruyne, Mbappe, Haaland throw Grealish or Bernardo or Alvarez in there as well it's crazy but it is a bit FIFA so we should probably step back and let Madrid have him or something
1: yeah I was gonna say I'm <laughs> just thinking of, um, <laughs> I'm thinking of Rodri's workload there covering for a front front four of Haaland and Foden and yeah. He'd be one 6 charges pay. if we signed yeah. him. Yeah, and <laughs> oh God, could you imagine the cost of his wages? Anyway, um, it's unlikely we'll have to worry about that, but uh, plays we will have to worry about, of course, uh, ahead of the weekend. Um, let's try and speak about how City might line up for this game because that clean bill of health uh, we alluded to it on yesterday's episode lasted about... Two minutes, if that. Um, We are recording this before Guardiola's press conference on Friday, so listeners, excuse us if we have... um Added players or, or sort of um, admitted players who may or may not be available, but just off the sort of the hunch I've got, I'm imagining Kovacic and Gavardio um, will be missing, at least they have been for the last couple of games. I don't know what sort of Croatian holiday they've gone on, but they just seem to have disappeared at the same time. Um, Grealish, obviously, having had an injury, barring a miraculous recovery in the last two or three days, it looks like he's going to be out. There's Doubts over Bernardo Silva. Now he's probably the the most likely to be involved, if at all. But given the sort of the knock he took and a pretty nasty tackle from the aptly named Dicks, um against Copenhagen, then maybe um, maybe he won't he won't uh, get a spot back in the team. So David, it, it's not left a lot of players, uh, specifically in that sort of attacking um, area of the pitch. So it might be a case of the players picking themselves.
2: Yeah, pretty much that. while she were going to do those names then, I was trying to figure out who could actually play in in a system that we can, we can sort of deploy. And I think the, the one name I'd actually quite like to see this weekend is probably Oscar Bob playing. Whether it happens or not, I don't know. But if, if we're going to have to go and field Foden, De Bruyne, Alvarez and Haaland, which could quite possibly be the case, mm. I, I like the fact that Oscar Bob looks like he can control the ball and keep it Recycle the ball well from that left hand side. If we have to play Doku as well, I just I just don't fancy the chaos ball that may <sighs> may happen with Chelsea if if we go with that sort of front five and leave Rodri behind on his own. So mm. obviously, Oscar Bob's not been given that opportunity to to play that role on the left hand side from the start, but he would probably be someone I'd quite fancy seeing start the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, obviously, um, Doku's uh, commanded quite a lot of attention this week. And interestingly, I, I've been, you know. <sighs> We've spoken about him at length on this show, and I'm sure we'll continue. And every other show has spoken about him as well. And each person has their different opinions, and it's weird. I've been kind of skeptical of him throughout the season, but the the he seems his, his stick seems to have picked up in recent weeks. And I've personally been thinking, you know, actually he's he's been doing okay-ish. Um, but I, I do fear Ollie coming into this game that uh, Jeremy Docu might. Be not necessarily the the right fit. I'd, I would I would have expected Grealish to play from the off. I imagine it will be Doku, but David raises a decent point. Oscar Bob can possibly bring something different to the attack. And and, and the thing is that I find with um with Doku and Grealish in, in matches like this. It's the almost relentless ways of attack City you're able to build when it is um, Jack Grealish. And they can recycle possession and they can almost pen that defence back in. With Jeremy Doku, he might go and set up a wonder goal for Haaland or score one himself inside the first five minutes. But he might also give it away and suddenly, as we saw against Tottenham Hotspur at home, there's a goal conceded. And and that's that's always the, the risk you run with a player like that.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about going with Doku for this fixture. Um, and to be fair, I'm a bit concerned about having Bob in place for the fi- this fixture as well. Um, because of the the potential for it to be a very tough matchup, we don't mm. know. What what I would quite like to see is perhaps Nunes coming in to play with Rodri. Even perhaps after even...
1: last week, given the criticism he had?
0: Yeah, yeah. Listen, everybody, they're all fucking getting criticism at the moment, honestly.
1: Because... <laughs>
0: Yes, um, or maybe Rico alongside Rodri That's might work. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, and then throwing in Alvarez instead. The only problem is I don't just don't know how that works. Um, Foden can occupy one wing. We've then got the question of is Alvarez best suited out wide? Because De Bruyne is certainly not. So. In terms of position out on the pitch, we might be forced into one of Bob or Doku, but it just doesn't feel like the right the right decision for me for this game. If I was going to draw one up, I'd maybe go, um, notwithstanding the defence, Rodri and Rico in the holding, holding position. De Bruyne behind Haaland and maybe Foden left, Alvarez right. That that would give me the most on balance confidence mm. in our ability to both create and to contain Chelsea and, and recycle the ball and, and and be responsible in possession. I think if you throw Doku or Bob in there, we could be inviting trouble.
1: Uh, well, obviously Alvarez has never played as a, a wide attacker, so that may sort of that that may be a bit sort of first I don't know um, I think he has he, no he, uh, he's that because, slot for us or Argentina no no because um, it, it was quite a, a talking point when he arrived the fact that he could maybe Gabriel Jesus style but he's he's never really played there um, so mm. I think if Alvarez is going to play it will be in that sort of second striker role um, such a shame about Grealish isn't it it is, it, it, it is it's the yeah. perfect fixture for him it's I the know. perfect fixture for him Exactly when he was just starting to look, um, just starting to look sort of, uh, but maybe his best in that first 20 minutes or so. I know it's a small sample size, but it is what it is. Um, David, finally then, sort of just on the back four, because it feels like almost overnight City have found their strongest back four. And um, unfortunately for Guardiola, it comes at a time when he's missing, and he was just, for me anyway, starting to find form. So it'll be interesting to see, first of all, how long he's out for. Second of all, does he come back into the team when he is fit again? But Ake Stone's Diaz-Walker... Feels like it's sort of it's got all the right balance you want, and and that is dependent on John Stones staying fit, which is never a given. But other than that, mm-hmm. that feels like City's go-to at the moment, and might be for the next month or two.
2: Yeah, definitely. It, it's it's quite versatile as well. You were just saying then about like who plays on the wings. If Walker plays with those three, there is the opportunity for him to play high and wide, and Aké, Diaz, and Stones players as a three. Stones can step into midfield alongside Rodri, so like that back four is almost the perfect back four for the fact that we have a few injuries in the in the front of the field because they can move across Stones into midfield, walk really high and wide like he did. I think when he came on sub was it last mm. week, and he was playing pretty much as a right winger. He could do the same again tomorrow at uh, Saturday and Foden shift over to the left, Alvarez in the centre with De Bruyne. It, it it's a good back four. It's um. I personally would like to see a Kanji in there later in the season. A bad because shout. I, a bad shout. I, Walker, he is, we've talked about it before on the podcast, I won't go into it again, but I would long-term like to see a Kanji in that back four. And then Guardiola could quite easily step in when Stones gets injured again, which will inevitably happen at some point. Um, but yeah, it's a strong back four. I'm happy with it. Um, I'd just like to see a few clean sheets happening. Um, mm. I think you mentioned it earlier in the in the week that We are still conceding sloppy goals and it would just be nice to start chalking up these clean sheets going into the the March running in April towards the end of the season thinking, well, teams aren't going to score against us. When Haaland finds his boots, it's, it's game over for teams.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I think that's the interesting point. And and Ollie, final word to you. Um, This is kind of these next, what are we on? Maybe three matches, four matches. There's the um, Chelsea game, obviously, this weekend. Then uh, where we are then, I think it's Bournemouth. Then it's Luton in the Cup. These are the three matches for me where any sort any, of oh, Brentford as well obviously in the league in, in midweek after this Chelsea game any sort of frailties maybe have to be mopped up a little bit and, 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 and cleaned out because uh, we've not said it so far but there is a mammoth run coming up and you, those are the games where a sloppy goal like we conceded on Tuesday against Copenhagen could be the difference between actually winning the game, getting knocked out of a competition, getting knocked out of the title race, whatever it might be, as opposed to then obviously against Copenhagen, going down the other end and scoring two goals quite comfortably. You know, basically those errors, if City want to be serious this season, for me anyway, kind of need to be erased in the next couple of weeks.
0: Well, they are free errors, aren't they? I mean, we were, me and you were with a couple of the other lads with, with mm. John and Luke watching this game, and when when Copenhagen scored, I put my head in my hands and went, Fucking hell, And it was either you or John. The first reaction was, eh, he does that twice a season. I'd rather yeah. it was now than in two weeks. So <laughs> I don't think these are like systemic issues in the side that needs to be ironed out. Those are just freak incidences. Um
1: but they have happened they a couple they have, of they like they, they have happened, you know, even going back to that Earlier tough run we had in the season, where there were those draws in there, and obviously a defeat to so Aston Villa. You know, it has kind of we're a been a different
0: team. No, we're a different it, team from then. Amos.
1: Well, well, perhaps maybe you've got your fingers crossed, but it's yeah. you know it's easy to it's easy to fall back in there if you're not careful. You know, basically, you know, City's mentality from this point on has to be 100. percent
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it, it has to be the the same. Uh, belief of invincibility in ourselves mm. that we had in the running last season, both the ruthless finishing up top, the dogged defending at the back. I mean, we were unbelievable at the back in that running last season, um, and they've all got to pull the weight. And to be honest, if if what happened is going to wake Edison up a little bit, then yeah, fine. Because it is, it's, it's a freak incident. I do think we are a different team to the team that was making those errors earlier in the season and ultimately as well if we do make an error i am wholly more confident of our ability to still outscore whoever we're up against which again earlier in the season we weren't they were a lot costlier early in the season because we weren't as proficient up top as we should have been Mm. we've got that back now we've got our mojo back harlan scoring foden scoring de bruyne scoring and assisting uh we should be fine we
1: yeah. should be fine famous last words man <laughs> yeah i'm making a couple of notes um, <laughs> to revisit yeah. on on monday morning um yeah but no, uh, no, um yeah i totally agree um it'll be interesting to sort of see how this how these next couple of weeks go and, and i think we'll have a by the end of the month start of march we'll have a real sort of um understanding of city and, and kind of where they're at in terms of um you know heading into that big run um david Thank you very much. If you've got anything else to add, then um, now is your time. But if not, it's been a pleasure.
2: No, I I'm, have I'm, I'm, I'm nothing else to add. Just uh, my prediction is 2 0 C.
1: Oh, I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, making sure Chelsea Ooh. don't score. Um, <laughs> I mean, you'd get decent odds on that, I reckon. Um, Ollie, yep. thank you very much.
0: Thank you. I'll go 4 1 C. 4 1 With a Cole pa- Palmer penalty.
1: Cole Palmer penalty did Chelsea take the lead because that's my hunch I'm not going to score no. but I reckon I think Chelsea take the lead and I think City come from behind and I think it's no. going to be a really good atmosphere
0: City 2-0 up Cole Palmer penalty and then City finish
1: the job with the uh, we'll go with the Harlem Brace i'll embrace take that um listeners thank you very much once again for another wonderful week if you are new or you haven't already hit follow hit subscribe if not we'll see you on monday morning hopefully celebrating another manchester city win until next time we'll see you later make sure you're geared up for man city's end of season running with mcdelivery great food delivered right to your door By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com.